Hey, so I imagine you're listening to this podcast because you're an artist yourself and you want some insider tips, insights, and general advice from artists you respect. One aspect of the business we sometimes discuss on Best Advice is rollout strategies. When you're dropping new music, you want to give it the best chance of getting heard. It's all about reaching the right listeners at the right time. That's why our team at Spotify for Artists built Marquee. Marquee is a marketing tool for turning listeners into bigger fans of your new music. With Marquee, you can send full screen recommendations of your latest album, EP, or single to the right fans as soon as they open the app. Listeners who see your Marquee are twice as likely to save your tracks, making it a better way to develop your audience than trying to drive streams from social media. To find out more, go to artists.spotify.com slash marquee. Welcome to The Payoff. I'm Chris Duffy. And I'm Antonia Cerejido. This show is your audio companion to all of Mike's money and personal finance coverage on the web at mike.com slash payoff. This week, it's time to talk about credit cards, specifically how to find and properly use the right cards for your situation. Wait, aren't credit cards something that should generally be avoided? No, well, sometimes, but look, they can be super helpful and useful when they're used wisely and in moderation which is what we're gonna make clear in this episode. And we've got a pair of experts to help us do just that. First up, we talked to a fan favorite and Antonia favorite, Erin Lowry, better known as the Broke Millennial. Erin actually did change my life. I've been reading her book, which I'm a kind of, I've, I'm a little bit embarrassed to carry on a book that says Broke Millennial, so I may or may not carry it under a different book. <laughs> yeah. But I still read it every day and it has changed my life and it has changed the way I budget and she's incredible. Anyway, I'm incredibly excited to have her back to teach us a thing or two about how to learn to love credit cards. And then in our second segment, we'll call up an expert in the art of finding the right credit card, Matt Schultz, head analyst of creditcards.com. You don't want to miss it. Stick around. All right, here we go with our opening segment where we get over worries and confusion about something in the world of money. And I know our special guest for this episode definitely helped me get over a ton of my money worries after we had her on for our budgeting episode. It's true. We're talking about Erin Lowry, better known to some from her blog, The Broke Millennial. And Antonia, you've brought up again and again how much you've learned reading her recently published book. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I love the book. I, that, was, that was the most eye-opening interview I've ever done, maybe. I was, like, floored. I remember Chris was like, whoa, this has been a life-changing experience I know. There, there's a real love connection, a deep, <laughs> deep touching of Antonia's soul from this book. And today we've got Erin back in the studio to once again grace us with her amazing finance knowledge. And this time she's going to help us understand how to be smart with and maybe even enjoy using credit cards. Erin, thank you so much for coming back. That was quite the introduction. <laughs> oh, fully endorsed. We endorse you 100%. So, true or false, credit cards are the source of all evil in the world. Oh, so false. First of all, credit cards can be a great tool for a couple of different things. It can be great for managing your cash flow if you're doing it smartly. It can be great for reward points if you're doing it well. And it's also a really great way to build your credit score without actually going into debt. Mm. So Antonia and I have uh, different experiences with credit cards because I have a few, but my theory on credit cards, and I don't know if this is right, is as long as you pay them off and there's not an annual fee, then there's really kind of not much downside. So I have, I think, four credit cards. And of those, I use two. 
And Antonia, you are in a different spot. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Um, well, okay, so I only have one credit card, and it's an American Express, and it's under my name, but my parents paid for it, and I never use it. I only use it to buy flights to see them, essentially. Is it because you're nervous that you'll put yourself in debt if you use it? No, I mean, no, no. no. The, I mean, I don't use that. I don't use that credit card because it's my my parents pay for it, and I don't want to make my parents pay for things that they don't need to. And you don't have one in your name. It's no, no. So that credit card is under my name, but they pay for it. But it's basically like things that they would have paid for anyway. Yeah, and it's okay. it's yeah exactly. And it was it, in college, I used it for like big purchases, and now I only use it for like a flight that like a. I actually, I mean, I've been paying for my flights home. Sorry. Good job. <laughs> I'm getting defensive. I'm like I've been Hat paying, on the back. but like occasionally <laughs> they will pay for a flight, and I will pay for it through my American Express. So I actually, I'm, but I have no experience actually using credit cards. And I was just telling Chris, I don't know whether I should open one up. What the benefit of that would be, considering that I am building credit through this one credit card. And you have student loans, right? Am yeah. I remembering that right? Yeah. yeah. So you're also building credit that way. Right. So there's a couple ways that you probably have a decent credit score if you've checked recently, if you're paying on time and all of that. First, to address whether or not they're bad in your, Chris, your idea. Um, yeah, if you pay it off on time in full every month, you're fine. I also personally don't consider that a debt generator because you're not carrying debt then. You're making purchases like you would have on your debit card. You're just putting it on your credit card. Bill comes in, pay it off on time and in full. You're never paying interest. In terms of the annual fee, so I have eight credit cards. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. So um, so in terms of the annual fees, some of those cards do have annual fees for me too. And to me, it's worth paying on some of them because of the perks that comes with it pays them off. For example, one of my credit cards has a $95 annual fee, but I get a free checked bag when I fly. Mm. And right now between some international trips and which usually get one free checked bag, but uh, it's a whole thing I'll get into later. But because of some trips and also because of wedding season, if you're in them, especially as a woman, you often have to pack these ridiculous suitcases for all these outfit changes. So at the end of the day, I get my money back in bags that I would have normally been paying to check. Mm. So it's working through those kind of numbers. I got one of the really hot credit cards of last year that came with a $450 annual fee, which makes everybody's eyes bulge out, but gave you $300 in travel rebates. So that knocks you right down to $150. And then I hadn't signed up for TSA PreCheck or Global Reentry, and they gave you a $100 rebate if you paid for your Global Reentry fee with that card, which then knocked it down to a $50 fee for me in that first year. And it had 100,000 miles. If you spent, it was like $4,000 in the first three months, and I needed to buy a new computer, and I had a couple of other things, so that kind of became my de facto business card. Mm. And so what there... Card, what oh, card was that? It was the Chase Sapphire Reserve, which okay. anybody that's listening that's a travel hacker, it was super hot last year, and I'm sure people have it. It's one of my four. Yeah, really? there you go. Yep. Because I travel enough that I was like, oh, this will actually pays... I did the same math where I was like, $450 seems crazy, and then I was like, oh... It actually paid for itself in, I think I probably will cancel it after this year. Right. Because I'm not sure it will pay for itself in the second year. But the first year I was like, but they're just giving me money that I would spend anyway. Because I knew I had to buy a bunch of flights. And between the rebate and the miles, I was like, I think this, I think I'm losing money if I don't do this. Well, I would never think that way with credit cards because it's a dangerous game to play with yourself. But yes, I definitely see where you're coming from on that. This is what I'm saying, though, is like, I think this is where I think Antonia and I are on different sides. Is Antonia is like, 
credit cards are dangerous. And I'm like, it's dangerous not to open this credit card. <laughs> they can be dangerous, though. And I think that that's the key factor of knowing yourself. They're not inherently evil if you know if you know yourself and you have the willpower and the self-control to always pay them on time and in full. But it's also a really easy way to get yourself in debt if you have a tendency to overspend, if you have a tendency to forget when bills are due, just basic things that sometimes people are compulsive purchasers. And mm. if that's your scenario, yeah, don't get a credit card. Or if you do have one just to build credit or whatever, then have it, link it to something like a Netflix account or a Hulu account, something that's a small reoccurring charge, and then just link it to pay automatically your Netflix bill, then have it set up so it's automatically paid off when the bill comes in through your checking account, because you probably always have that like 12 bucks or whatever in your checking account. Make sure you're not going to go overdraft or what have you. And then if you're afraid you're going to overspend, just cut it up or put it in the freezer or hide it in the lockbox or whatever. But then you're still building credit this really easy way, but you're not tempted to overspend. Mm. Interesting. I also like the idea of putting it in a freezer, especially if it's that uh, Chase card because it's metal and it would feel really cool. <laughs> it would. I know a lot of people actually did put their credit cards in freezers when they had to get over their debt um, addiction or whatever. I feel like this is, I'm sure we're going way too deep on this tangent that doesn't matter, but a freezer is very easy to open. Like, I could just open the door no, and take you, the credit card No, out. but that's like a mental block between, you have to open the freezer. I mean, it's- I would put it in a glass, fill it with water, freeze the glass of water so it's frozen <laughs> inside an ice cube, then I would not take it out. People but, do actually do that. That's oh what I would do. I would think it would destroy the card. Maybe not, but other people just cut it up. Even if you don't close the card necessarily, then you obviously can't spend on it. And sometimes it's just as easy as taking it out of your wallet mm. so that when you're out and about, you can't you be spending on it. Now, some people memorize their credit card numbers. I've never actually done that, but I've known people who are like, you don't have your numbers memorized? I'm like, wow, you can just purchase anything at any time then, can't you? <laughs> yeah. like, actually, no. you're right. I'm now realizing that I must be terrified of credit cards because I remember the first times I knew someone who had memorized their numbers and I was like, that is is the most dangerous thing in the entire universe. I can't believe anyone would do such a thing. <laughs> I was like, I would go into just like online shopping. I don't online shop. That's the other thing. Mm. So I feel like I feel like those two things are really dangerous together. Is an addiction to your credit card and online shopping. Oh so. yeah. So I feel like we've talked about the dangers of credit cards a little bit. Um, but why are credit cards useful? Why should someone consider having a credit card? To me, the biggest perk is building your credit score without having other types of debt. So if you were fortunate enough to graduate college without taking on student loans and you don't have an auto loan and you don't have a mortgage and there's no other debt generator in your life, a credit card is a very simple way to be building your credit score. So the keys there are to always pay it on time in full. On-time payments is a huge part of your credit score. But the other is something called utilization. That's the second big factor within your credit score. It makes up 30%. And you can think 30 and 30. So the other key is you only want to use 30% or less of your total available credit limit. If you get yourself into the single digits under 10%, that's like super sexy to the credit bureau. <laughs> so that's the real goal. And that's also something that you can be building your credit score doing. And so it's this, this like I said, with that whole Netflix idea, I can't tell you how many people I have told, I'm like, just get one basic vanilla credit card, no fee. If you're not concerning yourself about points or rewards because you're nervous that you're going to overspend, link it to your Netflix account, automate it to pay off on time and in full, and you're golden. You don't even have to touch anything else. So it's basically like you get a credit card. They say, okay, you can spend, your credit limit is $1,500. In your head, you're thinking, I'm only going to spend $500 mm -hmm. maximum. Yep. You mentioned that you had eight credit cards and that interrupted you when you were describing them. What are the other ones that we haven't talked about? 
uh, now the fun part of me trying to remember all eight because I have them written down at home. So when I do my, I do a weekly, this is the other fun fact, I do a weekly budget check-in. I think we actually talked about that in the budget episode. And part of that process is checking in on every single credit card. Mm. I also have alerts set up on all of my credit cards. This is just a good best practice for people. So anytime a purchase gets made, I get a text message that says what the purchase was because I've had fraud four different times, once on a debit card and then three times on credit cards. So it's nice to get that alert to be like, yep, that was me. Or "Hmm, somebody is buying a Jersey Mike sub in Georgia and I'm in New York City. Is that what they got? One time, yeah. Ooh, the time when someone uh, fraudulently used my credit card, they went back to the same fish bar three times in a day. (laughs) And I was like, wow, they're living large, <laughs> hungry for fish. Someone. Yeah. <laughs> um, OK, so other ones I have Chase Sapphire Reserve, Capital One Venture Card, Delta Amex, um, the City American Airlines card. Discover it was the second card I ever got because at the time they were the only ones offering you access to free FICO score. So I totally played into that marketing scheme. But there is no annual fee, and they usually bump up to 5% cash back on Amazon for half the year. And I am a big Amazon purchaser. And I like dog food and everything. Then what else do we have? Um, My regular bank, USAA, just have like the plain vanilla credit card that I got when I was in college. That was the first credit card I ever had. It's my longest line of credit, so I'm not closing it. I actually, that's what I have linked to things like Netflix and Hulu so that it's just one charge that's easy to make. I also use it when I'm renting a rental car because I have better insurance coverage through that particular credit card. So those are what credit cards you have. Mm-hmm. How do you use your eight? Like, are I don't so- use them all at the same time. Okay. Yeah. So, and what what's the process that you go through for that? So process for me is part of it is separating business and personal expenses since some of the things um, I'm buying for you know, running my site and travel expenses for work and things like that. So obviously I try to keep them separate. Um, Chase Sapphire Reserve now has turned into more of my business credit card just because a lot of that has to do with travel and you get better rewards that way. And I kind of cycle in based on, I, I really only use the Delta Amex or the City American if I'm flying on those airlines to get those better points. And I usually use, right now, I'm using the Venture Card for most of my personal spend, just again, for the points. But if I'm buying something on, say, Amazon and Discover It is doing 5% cash back, I'll use Discover It. Otherwise, I'll use Capital One Venture. I just look at what's going to give me the best reward for whatever purchase I'm about to make most of the time. Hmm. One tip that someone uh, gave me that I found really useful is um, thinking about that personal and business expenses. If you use a business credit card and then kind of are do a really good job of keeping any personal expenses off there at the end of the year when you have to have itemized receipts for taxes it's literally just your credit card bills yeah that's true so that it's super it easy. easy you don't have to worry about i mean you should still keep the other receipts but for me at the end i'm like well just take the statements from this credit card that's everything that i spend on business yeah i'm also a nerd and take pictures and keep this whole spreadsheet of all of the expenses throughout the year. So when I file my quarterly, I have all that information oh already. God. So I have a running spreadsheet. I'm but... so jealous of you. And I, you know, what's crazy. I did after you were here for a couple of weeks, I was super on my budget and I'm already like back, like just not doing the good practices. And I, and seeing you is giving me like the hives because I have to do it again. I was but like, that's really common. And maybe you need to pivot your budgeting style. If whatever you were doing isn't still working. That's a good, that's a good point. Clearly, we need to do a follow-up of the budget episode. But to to come back to credit cards, not budgets, which is all I'm thinking about right now, 
how does having a credit card and building credit help you buy a house later in life? A credit score is important because it's how a lender can easily determine whether or not you're going to be a responsible borrower. So when you're applying for something like a mortgage, they are going to look at your credit score. And there are scores of scores, wordplay. And I think that that is... <laughs> that took a second. That's, that's one of those grenade jokes where you pull the pin and then a few seconds later it goes off. <laughs> so I do think that that's something that's very stressful for people is not only are there you know FICO and Vantage and other forms that way, but even within FICO, there are so many scoring models. So... Your mortgage lender is going to use a different FICO scoring model or Vantage model than your credit card company when they're trying to decide whether to approve you. And that's an entirely different rabbit hole you can go down. But I think what is ultimately important is that having a strong credit score, in my opinion, makes the rest of your financial life easier and cheaper because I think of it as an insurance policy on your financial life. Do we want to have to borrow money? No. But if we're going to have to, better to get the lowest possible interest rate and the best possible deal. And you're going to be able to do that by having a healthy credit score. So one last question before we have you go. Um, we've talked a lot about selecting credit cards and using credit cards, but we haven't talked about one of the biggest things that I know people worry about with credit cards, which is you already have a credit card and you're in credit card debt. What are your tips or advice for those for those people in that unfortunately very common situation? It is a very common situation. The first thing you need to address is why. How did you get yourself into this debt? Was there a medical emergency and you had to finance it on a credit card because your emergency fund couldn't cover it? Or are you compulsively over shopping? Those are two very different scenarios. But once you're in it and you're trying to figure out how to dig out, one I would say is you probably need to take the credit card out of your wallet just so you're not tempted to keep accumulating debt on it. Think of looking at something like a cash diet for your budget, but put yourself on a pretty strict budget. Every extra penny that you're earning, assuming you have at least $1,000 in an emergency savings fund, needs to start going towards paying off that debt. And look at different debt payoff systems. Maybe that's debt snowball. Maybe that's debt avalanche. Maybe you look into something like a balance transfer, which for those who are unfamiliar, it sounds really scary because you're taking out a new credit card to pay off an old credit card. The perk is, let's say you have debt with an Amex and uh, City is offering you 0% APR for 18 months and you can roll over your $5,000 on Amex, put it on that City credit card at 0%. So every penny that you're paying is going directly towards principal because mm. there is no APR yet. There are a bunch of tricks and traps, though, for balance transfers. So if you can't pay it off on time and if you got yourself into debt because you are compulsively overspending, balance transfer is probably not the best way to go. But if you're in that debt situation because, you know, tire went out on your car, you couldn't pay for a new tire, dog got sick, had to go to the vet, you got hurt, whatever, then it might be a good idea because it sounds like you're probably diligent to begin with, but something just went sideways and you had to finance it on a credit card. And debt snowball, debt avalanche, I'm assuming these are things where if you Google those, you'll oh, yeah. find out the whole system on that. Tons of information online and also in Broke Millennial. <laughs> Yeah. Where can people who are listening right now read more uh, about your excellent advice and find out more of these tips and tricks from you? So you can find my website easily, BrokeMillennial.com. My book is under the same name, Broke Millennial, Stop Scraping By and Get Your Financial Life Together. And then you can also find me on Twitter at Broke Millennial and Instagram at Broke Millennial Blog. Seriously, right. the book is so good. Yeah. It's amazing. Aaron, thank you so much. Once again, such amazing, useful, practical info. We are so glad that we could get you on the show and talk to you again. Thanks for having me.
Welcome back. So we've talked through what credit cards are useful for and some of the traps that people fall into when using them. But even if you want to get a credit card, how do you know which one is the right one? To answer that question, we turn to Matt Schultz, head analyst for creditcards.com, a website designed to help consumers find the right credit card for them. Matt, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So Matt, why are there so many different kinds of credit cards? Well, there's so many different credit cards because there are so many banks offering them, and frankly, they're really profitable for banks. So banks love putting them out there. And also the truth is that Americans like their credit cards. There are certainly a subset of folks who are avoiding them like the plague, and understandably so, because they don't want the lure of any more debt. But a lot of people use their credit cards in smart ways and make those cards work for them instead of being burdened down by debt. So why shouldn't I just get a credit card for my bank where I have a checking account? Well, because there are lots and lots of options. And as with anything in in life, whether you're shopping for a new TV or a new car or a new dress, you should probably not just pick the one that's easiest for you to get and the first one that you see, because chances are you'll miss out on the one that is the best fit and the right one for you. So can you walk us through what exactly creditcards.com provides to users and how it makes money? Yeah, basically we, we provide tools and information that help people find the right credit card for them and use them the right way every day. And we've got hundreds of cards on our site and we make money when people successfully apply for a card on our site. And we also have an editorial team and a marketing staff that provides information independent of the business side. There's very much kind of a church and state divide within our company uh, between advertising and editorial the way that you see it in a newspaper or a TV newsroom as well. So, I mean, I guess how do people sift what their priorities should be for a credit card? You know, like if I'm like, okay, I want a credit card, how do I figure out what sorts of things I want to find in that credit card? Well, the the main thing that people need to do is ask themselves a couple of questions. And the main questions are, how will you use that card and what do you want to get from it? And those sound like simple questions, but they're not always. And the more honest you are with yourself about the answers to those questions, the better fit you'll be able to find in a card. So if this is your first card and you just want to get started, then you're looking for a very, very different card than if this is you know, your second or third card and you've just gotten that big new job promotion and you have a little money and you want to start racking up rewards. All of those things factor into the decision that you would make as to what the right card is for you. Can you walk us through how you answered those two questions for yourself and what you ended up with? <laughs> well, like a, like a lot of people in my, in my role, I didn't make those decisions very well when I was young. And I had... Um, 
when I was 23, 24 years old, I had about $10,000 in credit card debt wow. because, yeah. because I didn't fully grasp the power of compounding interest and just how quickly that debt can get out of control simply by taking my girlfriend, now wife, to nice dinners and going to shows and buying music. It and seems like it was it, worth it. It, all, it worked out <laughs> in the end. It's, it, it all ended up working out in the end, but it was really ugly for a few <laughs> years where basically my entire life, except for the money that I set aside to pay for other bills, was devoted to paying off my credit card. But the good news is that now and since then, I put everything basically that I buy on a credit card and make them work for me. Mm. And and since then, um, my wife and I have used them to finance our, our honeymoon and to take trips all over the country and the world and and have really turned the corner on that. Did you pay off your credit card debt? By getting hired to work at creditcards.com? No, this was this was long before I um, I, I worked at creditcards.com. And oh, I was thinking you could be the one person who had the full circle story where credit cards also solved your credit card problem. <laughs> no, no, no. It was um, it was really just a lot of budgeting and a lot of. Um, a lot of hard decisions and a lot of sacrifice. It's a it's a very common story for anyone who has credit card debt, student loan debt, any of that sort of thing. It's really um, it's really just about focusing and prioritizing on getting that debt down, and then once you're done with it, making it work for you. So, what is the best credit card? Can you tell us? It depends on who you are. Um, Darn, I thought we were going to get a secret answer here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, there's, there's, no uh, there's no magic formula. There's no secret key to unlock the, uh, the best card. Um, but for, for the average American who just wants to kind of keep it simple, get some cash back to help themselves out with things on a regular basis and doesn't want to um, get a new card every six months. A really good card for them is probably the City Double Cash card, because what that does is that it gives you two percent cash back on everything you buy, wherever you buy it, whenever you buy it, and it's just super straightforward. And that's really what most people are looking for. Um, and because the, the head, uh, rewards and airline miles and that sort of thing kind of generate all the headlines, but nothing quite brings most Americans together like their love for free cash. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 cash back cards are by far the most uh, most popular cards. Um, in America, and the City Double Cash card is a pretty good example of a simple one. It also seems like there's kind of cards that are trendy or kind of in style at the moment, right? Like um, one of our previous guests talked about the Chase Sapphire Reserve card, which was really hot last year, and which I actually ended up getting myself too because everyone told me about it. Um, but it seems like it, there's this thing where cards go in and out of fashion almost. Yeah, there's no question. And and I have a 
Chase Sapphire Reserve card, too. I'm and the only the... one who's not part of the <laughs> yeah. coffee club. You're the only one not in the club. Damn it. <laughs> well, it's it's funny. Um, even even though credit cards are my job and my livelihood, I'm one of those people who had to take a step back for a second and go, am I really going to pay $450 for an annual fee for a credit card? And the truth is that once I did the math on it, it was kind of a no-brainer because you end up getting quite a bit more than that back if you use it correctly. Um, the, and can you the, can you walk the, us through that real quick? How how should people think sure. about an annual fee on a card? Well, it's it's really about um, what uh, uh, it's really about how you're going to use that card um, and kind of what you want to get from it. Like I like I mentioned earlier. So with the with the Sapphire Reserve, um, it's a four hundred and fifty dollar annual fee, but you get a three hundred dollar air travel credit um, each year that you can use to um, to pay for hotels, airfare, that sort of thing. So really, in a real way, that annual fee is really just $150. Then you factor in the, fa the fact that it comes with potentially $100 that you can put towards TSA PreCheck or Global Entry, which is a big deal for folks who travel internationally, that knocks the value of um, or the cost of that annual fee down even further. And that's before you even factor in the sign-up bonus, which, if you use it correctly, can be worth um, $1,000 or more. And so when you kind of take the time to do the math, and then you factor in with your lifestyle, a lot of times it becomes pretty clear that, you know, 450 is is really not that big of a thing. And it becomes kind of one of those it takes money to make money sort of things and is worth your while doing. Earlier, you said that banks can make a ton of money off of credit cards. And I know that sometimes if it, I mean, it's been proven that there that there are some cards that are overly complex and then consumers don't really know what they're getting themselves into. Uh, right. Do you think that the rise of more complicated credit cards is connected to now how some consumers are reluctant to use them? I, I'm not sure. In, in a lot of ways, honestly, cards have gotten simpler um, over the years because the marketplace is so incredibly competitive. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the, same, the same kind of competitive forces that have been driving sign-up bonuses higher and higher and higher have also been leading to the elimination of some annual fees. Um, also, the elimination of things like foreign transaction fees, which are those fees that you pay if you're, if you're traveling in Europe um, over the summer and um, you end up getting hit with 2 or 3% extra on top of your bill just for the fact that you're using it outside of the U.S. Um, so some of those sorts of things have actually gotten simpler and gotten easier and gotten more consumer-friendly over the years because of competition. Now, I'm, I'm not going to tell you that these products are simple and that there isn't still a very clear need for you to do your homework and make sure you know what you're getting into before you sign up, 
but things have gotten better. Do you feel like one of the innovations that they've had in credit cards recently is that now they're sometimes made of metal instead of plastic, so they feel really cool? <laughs> yeah, it is kind of a funny thing, isn't it? Because um, that was one of the I know that shouldn't that make a difference, but it really, it really does to me. When I see one, I'm like, wow, you got a metal card. Man, someday I hope I'll be a metal person. <laughs> You're so metal already. That's okay. <laughs> That's the first, um, <laughs> first, first time anyone has ever said that to me, so thank you very much. <laughs> Happy to help. Um, but, uh, no, it's, it's funny. Those are the kinds of things that, like you said, shouldn't matter when you're making a financial decision, but they do. And they did to such a degree that there were a lot of headlines out there that when – the Chase Sapphire Reserve was kind of at its hottest. Um, they actually ran out of the ability to make those metal cards for a little while and started sending people temporary cards, um, and people weren't real happy about it because part <laughs> of the hook of getting the card was the metal. And it's, it's, it's a really interesting thing. And again, those things shouldn't matter, but the truth is that they do. So if uh, someone's listening uh, to this show and they're a younger person and they maybe don't have a credit card or they're just getting into credit cards, um, you told them already the two questions that they should ask themselves. Um, but what are your big tips that they should definitely do to make sure they've done their due diligence? It really is, again, about how you want to use the card and what you want to get from it. And some of it is also how much work you want to put into getting something out of the card. So, for example, are you a cashback person or are you a rewards and miles and points person? And then if you're a cashback person, are you somebody who just wants to get the same the, the same benefit wherever you spend, whenever you spend, or are you somebody who wants to chase rewards a little bit more where if you, um, if you spend X amount at Amazon during a certain period, you get 5% back or that sort of thing. Um, there, that's one of the major things that people need to keep in mind. Um, Another thing, especially if you're just getting started with credit, is whether you can get some help um, in getting yourself started with credit. Namely, whether, um, whether you should start with what's called a secured card, um, where you basically make a security deposit that establishes your credit line, and then you use that card to kind of get yourself established um, credit-wise for a year or so um, without running the risk of getting too out of control with your spending and putting yourself into debt like I did many years ago. So if people want to know more info or have more resources about what they should do to get their credit cards, where should they go? Well, we've got thousands of articles and lots of tools here at creditcards.com to, to help you find the right card for you and to use it the right way every day. And one of, one of the cool tools that we have is called Card Match. And basically, you put in a little bit of information about yourself, and, um, and we direct you to a card 
that is a good fit for you based on what your credit is. So with, um, when you put in your information, it's not going to harm your credit score to put it in there. We're not going to save your information, um, but it's a, it's a good way to get directed to some cards that might be a pretty good fit for you. Matt Schultz, thanks so much for talking with us. Thank you. And that's it for this episode. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our theme music is from Breakmaster Cylinder, and our producer is Alan Haberchak. Thank you, Alan, and thanks everyone for listening. If you want to help the show, you can do that by going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a review for The Payoff. Also, if you have questions, don't forget to send them to payoffpod at mike.com. Lastly, you can find out more about us on Twitter at payoffbymike or online at mike.com slash payoff. See you next time.